welcome to a new series we are calling Conversations With. My name is Shaylee Hugendorn and I live with Bipolar 2 Disorder. And my name is Julie Kraft and I am also living with Bipolar 2 Disorder. Julie and I believe in the power of storytelling. We know that sharing with others is healing both individually and collectively. There are so many different experiences. So we wanted to share more stories of Bipolar with you and interview others. Our stories are powerful. They can become a source of strength and hope and inspiration. Our voices need to be heard. Our stories aren't over yet. This is Bipolar. Welcome back, friends. I'm so excited to share this next little bit with you. I am continuing a conversation that I'm having with Paris from Master Your Mental Podcast and Sarah from Rough Edges Podcast. We had so much to talk about that we needed to make two episodes. So please go listen to the first one so that you'll be able to get the context and um, hear their stories leading up to here. I did want to say we always talk about hard things. Um, sometimes we talk about things like going to um, psychiatric institutions. Sometimes we talk about sexual violence or violence or self-harm and all of the other things. And so even though they're not in every episode, we just like to warn everybody to please take care of yourself if you have to walk away and come back or if this is a hard episode for you we understand we just don't would never want to activate or trigger anything for anyone so let's get started i am excited for part two hi friends welcome back this is going to be part two um we've been enjoying each other's company so much that we wanted to um talk some more and one of the really cool things that i'm excited to talk about is um having podcasters on here because sometimes it feels lonely to be a to be a podcaster so i Sarah started telling her story about starting her podcast, but we're going to talk a little bit more about that. So Paris, tell us, um, I know in your book, you went back to work at the place that you stayed. So I would love to hear that and then how that morphed into telling and um, how Master Your Mental First Crooked Illness came about. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so back, so back to the sharings of what I kind of talked about a little bit with the hospitalization. So mm -hmm. that was at 19 years old. And then when I was 22, I graduated from college and I actually got a job offer at the same exact place where I was wow. a patient at. And I was like, I was thinking, I was like, no, I should do something else. There's these other ones. And then I kept feeling something like pulling me like do this. This is, so I did that. And honestly, it really opened my eyes in because I experienced, you know, obviously two sides, right? So the patient perspective being in the hospital, being put on court ordered treatment, this kind of an outlook of struggling with the stigma. Do I share this? What do I do? And then going and working there where you're helping people who are going through these things, helping them with their appointments, doing assessments with them, checking in on them, seeing what they, what's going on in their life. So it really honestly show, opened my eyes up to a lot of the issues in the system and, you know, the lack of tools that are given to people upon leaving the hospital. Because I know for me, I thought my thought process was going in, okay, 
I'm going to go in and I'm going to leave and I'm going to be, I'm going to have all these things that I can use, that I can help, that I can get better, that I can be good. And it almost made it worse. It almost traumatized Mm -hmm. me more because of how Sarah shared that she was strapped down to a gurney when they came to put her, that's actually what happened to me when I was in the urgent psychiatric center, because I thought that I was going to be able to call my dad. Um, they said I could do a phone call, but then they're like, no, like sit down. It was just very hard for me to sit because they, there are these, they're, they're bed chairs. So people sleep in the chairs that they're sitting in. And the person to my left actually just tried, just tried to attempted suicide with rope rope burns and, and on his neck. And then the person to my other side just had her, her baby, um, actually taken away, just had a baby and just had to take it removed from her and was oh. put here. And it was just, you're in a constant, this whole entire facility is a lot of it is people in crisis right now. And this is, we're all put together. And I'm very like, I can feel that when I'm in these different rooms. So it was very, very, very overwhelming for me. And yeah, so that kind of leads me back into working there. I actually went back and worked and it was, I I forgot almost what it was like. Because right. I feel like I fully, I, I thought I was there for years in my mind because time passed so slow that you really, you don't have your phone, you don't have anything. And I, I was psycho, in, in psychosis. So yeah. there's periods that I don't fully remember, but really that's what really prompted me to tell my story because I always wanted to talk about it. But I remember like for, when I was working there, I was told like, don't, don't, if you know, if you can, don't share because you don't know if you know, yeah, it was like, they're going to, they might use it against you. Or it was, it was kind of like the most stigmatized place I found is mental health, like working in mental health, almost like the, the people. Yeah. So it was almost like, Oh, when you do home visits, don't drink anything. It's like, they're trying to poison you or I don't know, just, it just further like puts on that label of these people are dangerous and don't trust them. They're violent. So that's what really made, made it sad for me because I wanted to share. I mean, I remember one, I actually went down to take, to take someone up to an appointment and she was actually one of my roommates in the hospital and I, and she didn't remember me at all. And I remember being in the elevator with her and I wanted, I literally wanted just to be like, thank you. You know, like you were like a mom to me in there. Like you were really, you know, supportive of me. And she was actually going through a lot detoxing from different drugs and stuff like that. So I actually saw her, you know, saw her collapse in the hospital and they have to help and different things like that but she did not know who I was at all and it just really made me sad because I was like I almost felt like bad like how come I get to be on the other side and how come I I almost I don't know what it is like always having this feeling that I'm going to be okay no matter what and how come these these other people aren't you know why am I like and that's what really got me into advocacy work so getting into NAMI, you know, doing different events for the book, you know, right, obviously writing the book, starting the podcast, which was again, like Sarah talked about being afraid. I was a very afraid. Cause I'm like, I've never told people about this. And a lot of people were like, oh, wow. Like I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't talk about it. So, but yeah, that's just kind of a little, a little bit of background on that, but really the podcast, I actually launched just February, I think of 2020 I was in my actually my parents backyard walking around so that first episode you can literally hear rocks because I'm outside I just hit record and I was like I'm just gonna talk about mental health and 
physical health and the relationship. And then that's when it really started to become more than that, where I'm like, I want to have more conversations and bring more people on and just spiraled into this thing of two years, still continuing it and still trying to make it better and just do all that I can. And then sharing my story with family members. And now it's like people come to you and feeling safe because of you know, actually what I do for work, I didn't share in the beginning, but mm-hmm. I work at this company. It's a um, tech company and I help them out with sales for healthcare companies, like big um, healthcare organizations for their online presence, like making yeah. sure they're doing good with feedback and stuff like that. But I actually open up literally my resume on the interview is the ex- a lot of the experience with podcasting is why I'm able to like get on the phone with these people because I would have been so scared. No way I could do it. Yeah. So shy. And, and being, and actually having people that I work with say, oh my gosh, my mom was diagnosed with this. And it's so many people opening up about it and being like, what's your podcast? I want to listen. I want to get your book completely different experience than what I've experienced in other jobs where you're almost like cast out and Mm -hmm. it's not good. So, so yeah, that's kind of a little bit of like, you know, my background and kind of why I wanted to talk about it to really help other people. Because I'm like, if I can do it. And like Sarah said, you know, like literally listening to me, our podcast helped her launch hers. And that's what really kind of got me to tell more of my story is seeing people. Oh, look, they're sharing this. Okay. Then you know what? I could either continue living like this and not share this mm-hmm. or share it because you're going to be judged no matter what you do, regardless of if you say it or not. So might as well try to help people and have solutions then not do that. So that's yeah. why we're here. <laughs> yeah. And it's true. Um, it does really, really inspire people. And I, we do get a lot of messages or I could never, you know, do what you do. And um, I heard this quote once that said, you know, when you're going to speak, um, you know, don't speak from the wound, speak a little bit more from the scar. And I thought that that was really important because I think that um, some people that contact us were like diagnosed last week. And I'm like, okay, um, let's wait till it's a little bit more safe or, you know, some people you don't have the support or you don't, because it's uh, because, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I get dressed up and, you know, it's night and people are like, Oh, you have it all together. And I'm like, this is not a curable illness. Like I will still have hard times. I have, I'm on a treatment plan and I've chosen the route of medication. Um, but I will still have hard times. And I think sometimes people think that podcasters or whatever, that we have it all together. Right. And so I encourage people like you come when you're messy and don't have it all together, but also just be make sure that it's safe and that you're in a good space as well and that you have support, right? I think it's like a fine balance. And Julie and I talk a lot about like advocacy, this works for us, but advocacy is even just telling one person or two people, like it doesn't have to be, you know, a glamorous or on a stage, right? It's still, it's still advocacy. Anyways, I just wanted to say that, but yeah, that's, that's amazing Paris. And that you went back to the same place that must have that must have been a very surreal surreal experience but Sarah so Sarah it sounds like you were diagnosed and that like this is fast like what year were you diagnosed like tell me so I was diagnosed in January of 2021 wow wow so that was new so did it take like what did your healing journey look like before starting the podcast like I don't know about y'all but it took me a bit to get used to the medication and 
and all of all of that thing. And I had, I had kids already. So I had to be careful telling people too, because some people I was so worried, they're going to be like, Oh, you know, she can't be with her kids. She's dangerous. And um, like my diagnosis was 2010. So like 12 years ago, people weren't talking about things um, even less than they do now. So I, I just love that. Uh, yeah, that you went with it. Anyways, I'm, I'm rambling about that stuff, but I really wanted to hear like what that time period looked like for you. Yeah. So to give you um, a timeline. So I started mm -hmm. the podcast in November of last year. Yeah. So that period from January all the way up until October, mm -hmm. I was basically like a zombie coming out of the hospital because of the medication yep. I was very drowsy most of the time I was like falling asleep like on the train on the bus and it's a miracle how I got to my stops I don't know <laughs> but um I was just you know sleeping everywhere and I was just feeling very numb inside and so I even had to switch psychiatrists in the beginning because the first psychiatrist that I had, he wasn't really listening to what I was telling him in terms mm -hmm. of like me being drowsy yeah. and me, the medication not having an effect on me and me feeling lower than I was before. Mm -hmm. And so he wasn't really listening and he wasn't working for me. So I switched over to another psychiatrist who actually understood me Oh, and yeah. she was able to change the medication completely and give oh. me something that would actually help. So she, before I, I started with her, I was on lithium and Abilify. And those are the only two that I was on. And she told me that I needed an antidepressant and also um like another mood stabilizer to kind of like balance out my moods and also like the tiredness so that I won't feel super drowsy during the day. Mm -hmm. So um, she did that. And then afterwards, I was starting to feel a little bit better. I started to feel like myself. And then I also got into um, using a nutritionist to kind of help me with my eating yeah. and like just using the holistic healing approach to the situation. And so that kind of fast tracked me to being able to function a little bit better than I was when I first got out of the hospital. And it was still hard. Like, I'm not going to act like it wasn't, but yeah. you know, it's just, the difficulties come, but I would also say that my faith was a big source of like me being able to come to myself and to be able to accept my diagnosis mm. because having faith in God is really something that anchors me mm. and it really shifts my perspective and helps me to have a more positive outlook on life. Mm. And so because I had that, and I had a good support system. My, I told my close friends about the diagnosis and they immediately accepted it. They were like, Yay. it's okay. Yeah, I know. It's a big help. It, it, it really is, is huge. a big help uh, to have those support systems in your life. And they were just like, we don't see you any different. Oh. We're gonna you know, still treat you the same. 
you know, because you're still Sarah. And I, I was just like, oh my gosh, that was, I was just so emotional when they said that, because uh, it was just amazing. But having the support system, having a holistic approach to healing, mm. and also being, not being afraid to change what doesn't work for you because a lot of the times we think we have to stick with one thing and if it's not working change it I I, I'm a full believer in like if it's not working for you make the necessary changes to help but not by yourself with your doctor exactly (laughs) exactly not by ourselves but with the help of your support system 100 yeah yes uh, definitely so yeah, that was the period of time. And then I was just, again, listening to podcasts like yours and then looking up different tools with my therapist yeah, at yeah. the time. That really helped me to just be able to move forward, to accept the diagnosis and to like learn more about it mm-hmm. and to really feel comfortable with verbalizing that I have bipolar because mm-hmm. I wasn't able to verbalize it at all. Uh, it's just a miracle that I'm here talking with you guys about it because I used to be in such denial that I wouldn't even utter the words bipolar disorder. Yeah. And so just doing the work, having the therapy, changing your diet, having that support system, that all encompasses your healing journey. And so those things really helped me and to the point where I was like I was getting help I want to help other people yes and so I was just like I want to do what you guys do and just start a podcast and like help other people and advocate for other people as well so yeah Yeah. I love that you brought up a lot of a few important things that I just wanted to like yes not every medication works for everyone right don't go off it yourself, but yes, talk to people about trying new things for sure. Um, and then the other thing I loved what you, what you talked about, about didn't know how to talk about it. And actually when I interviewed Sharice Jewell, she said, cause it is hard. Like I all over the interwebs talk about this, right? But then when it comes to like meeting my child's teacher, right? And my, my kids will be like, Hey, my mama has a podcast. I'll be like, Oh, what's it called? That's so cool. And they're like, this is bipolar. I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> we, we just went for it. We're like niche, we're going for it. But it's still hard um, for me too. And I remember Cherie said that she says, I don't know if you know this, but I live with bipolar disorder. Be- and I love that because it gives people something to say, because they can say, you know, yes, I know that I've seen you online, or they can say, oh, no, I didn't know that. And it gives them a second to think before they say something that might not be the best thing to say. And that's, um, I just love that. And I love that advice about even practicing what you're going to say, because then it gets awkward sometimes, and it might get awkward anyway. But if you have your thing, and I love the person first, like I live with bipolar disorder, right? Mm -hmm. Because I just, yeah, I just love that. And, and you're right. And it took me a while too. like, I'm showing my age here, which is fine. I'm good with aging. But um, yeah, like people weren't using the word when, when Julie and I were, were diagnosed, Uh, you could search and you couldn't find people. And that's why we wanted to do audio and video because we were desperate to see faces. 
mm-hmm. people that were okay, but also honest about not being okay. And that's what I love um, about you both is that you're real and you talk about it and you're going to tell us even some more things that you do um, to help, but you're also honest that you don't say things like recovered, right? Or completely healed, right? Because I feel like that uh, when I used to listen to things like that or, or heard that, there's so many stories of that. I wanted to hear real people that are like, hey, I still struggle, but here I am showing up anyways. And so I love that. Um, Paris, tell us, tell us maybe the top three things that have helped you on your healing journey. Is it okay to give three? Sometimes that stresses me out numbers, but no, yeah. Three or some, whatever you'd like. I love that. So I would probably say the top three are number one is the support system Mm. and then gratitude Mm. and then the act of prioritizing your body. So that is for me is through sleep, exercise and eating. So those three things. So I say support system because in the beginning, I didn't feel like I had, well, I I always had that with my dad, but then with my mom, it was um, because with the the person in my family who had it um, was on her side and not um, having the support, but then initially going back and doing the work going to therapy and being able to have that. And, and now to where we have this relationship where we can talk and everything's, but it does take work. Right. And, and, and willingness of, if this is a relationship that is worth doing that work for and so support system and then gratitude. So gratitude is something I actually got into a little bit after I launched my podcast. So starting journaling, and that's why I started the free gratitude journal community where it's free 28 day gratitude journal on a Facebook group um, where people can go in and get a copy of the journal, download it, print it out. And basically what it does for me is doing that has helps me see more of the good instead of, because we're all, we're always going to have those days where we have, where, you know, you're overwhelmed or you're stressed out or you're doing something and you, you're, because for me, I'm very hard on myself, oh, yeah. very critical, overly critical. And very judgmental towards myself and like the expectations I set, you know, even when, even, you know, at at work or whatever, you know, when you're doing very well, you know, you're brand new, you know, your, your quota, whatever you're going three times over doubling, whatever it is. And, you know, still thinking like, well, I want to do this or I, or it's like, when is it ever going to be enough? So for me, gratitude is help helps me see, you know, the fact that we have these things, right? Like this community, the podcast, right? All the little things that you can say that you, you have, or you've done, or you're grateful for or having a home, food to eat, water, you know, clothes to wear, you know, what, literally whatever it is, doesn't matter. Put it down on paper. And that way you'll actually start to see more of these things instead of, Oh, like I'm so annoyed at the traffic or I'm so annoyed at this. You know, I have to go here, be, be grateful that you have a job or that you have this support system, or you have this relationship, because everything takes time, like relationships take work, right, and that's a good, big thing too, like I just got engaged in February, yeah, so we're planning our wedding, but that's the thing is, it takes communication, so sharing my diagnosis with my fiance in the beginning, I was like very afraid, but like Sarah talked about with her support system, support system being very accepting is how he was and being able to have that 
And, but that thing is, is you're never done. You're never done with the work. It's always maintaining. So, and then going back to your, your body, right? So for me, exercise has been huge. Just take, even taking a walk or doing some stretching or yoga or breath work meditation and what I'm eating. Like I eat a lot differently than I used to. Like I used to like Sarah and you guys both mentioned of the eating thing. Like I would eat a lot. And I was always, it was never enough. It was like, I need more and more and more and more. And yeah. I was always like, you know, I didn't know how to cook. I've never been in a produce section of a grocery store. I didn't even know what avocado, nothing. So it's like always at like McDonald's KFC, like any, any fast food sodas yeah. drinking a lot, yeah. you know, and now I don't, and not that you shouldn't, you don't need to do this, but for me, it just, it's helped me, you know, I don't drink soda anymore. I don't, you know, and of course I still eat, you know, whatever I eat a lot of pasta, I'll eat, you know, some macaroni, I'll eat ice cream, whatever, you know, but as long as, you know, you, you feel good and pay attention to how you feel, because I was always, it was always too much. It was always like, you're too full or all this stuff and just having that balance. And then also like, now a big thing that I never thought that I would get to in maintaining this is being able to talk about the mental health because I was asked to speak in front of different audiences and I used to be afraid and never and the podcast has helped with that because if I didn't do this I don't think I would be able to get up in front of like 40 people or however much you know and talk about my book and literally sit there and say I was diagnosed bipolar and then have people say oh my gosh like they connect and they relate and they resonate with it. So now it's like, you're getting out of your comfort zone. And that's the thing is your comfort zone could be like this, but when you do something scary, it goes like this and you're expanding your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So that's what it's about is just continuing to do the work. Like I still do it every day. I get up, I do my gratitude real quick. I do a five minute meditation. I don't do it every day. I don't always get everything every single day, you know, like a strict routine, but I notice a difference when I'm not doing that when I'm not doing these things. So similar to what Sarah brought up, I love how she talked about therapy, support, diet, Mm -hmm. and then also all of these things, because that's been the biggest help for me. So that's uh, what I will share. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's good. And some of the stuff, and I mean, we're talking to people um, right now that are in the slog of it, right. In the darkest, darkest spaces or, you know, so high that it's very hard to even stop to eat or you just grab whatever, whatever's near. And I remember I used to literally make fun of my therapist. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to journal my way out of this. Good idea. Right. Or like I, I made fun of those things, but those lit, because it wasn't miraculous. I wanted the miraculous or I want big. Right. And, but you're right. It's the daily and the keeping up and finding what works for you. Cause sitting down writing, you guys are going to laugh, but when I write, I'm like, how much should I write? How many things should I be grateful for? When is this going to end? I get all like journaling and like coloring. It really stressed me out. So I found a way to do it verbally. Right. Mm-hmm. So then I record it, but as long as you have it somewhere, like Paris said, you can look back or listen back, but you can find the thing for you. And you said, meditate, like even five minutes, like when you're manic meditating for 60 seconds is like 500 hours, but you slowly do it. And I think just those habits, and you talked about sleep hundred percent. I was listening to Julie fast talk and she was talking about like, literally bipolar is a sleep disorder right? Like it, it, you either don't sleep or you sleep too much, right? So finding that balance, I love that. And also the way you mentioned a bunch of different exercises and I was reading about the brain and you 
can, if you're someone that like me, they actually told me not to go to the gym, not because to exercise, but I was so manic that it would hype me up. It was sensory overload. So I had to find the thing, like you said, walking outside or doing the thing. And I think that it's really important that you find it because I would just like give up. Like if that didn't work, I would just give up, but keep finding the thing that worked for you. And I love, love that you found the things that work for you. And I really did. The gratitude thing was hard for me because my brain remembers and imprints the negative things. I have to actually ask my mom, like, remind me awesome things of my childhood because I, I remember the bad things. And so being able to go back and actually we started on our page, we do thankful Thursdays. And I was like, Oh, am I really going to do this every week? People are going to get bored. It's the same thing. And there's people that love it that show up every week and either write it in stories or they write it on there. And they're like, you know, this is a reminder. And I just, I just thought, Oh, we forget that those little things add up to our healing journey. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Sarah, I would love to hear yours. Yeah. So Paris kind of um, hit on a lot of the points. Yeah. So thank you for that. But I also wanted to share these three things. So for me, it was vulnerability, self-acceptance, and being consistent. So with vulnerability, it's very hard to be vulnerable. But what I've learned is that vulnerability breeds vulnerability. So if you are vulnerable other people will also be vulnerable with their stories. And so being like that you're building your support systems, vulnerability is a key aspect of building proper support systems. Because if you're not vulnerable with other people, they won't know how to help you. And they also won't know how to respond to your story. So when whenever you're going to share, even if it's one person that you really trust, share with that person and practice sharing with that person and say, Hey, this is my story. Do you have a minute? Are you, do you have the emotional capacity to handle this right now? And just tell your story. And so I've learned through being vulnerable that it really helps other people see that they are not alone Mm -hmm. and that they also have something well to offer. So vulnerability, self-acceptance. So that was a huge one for me. I'm still learning how to do that (laughs) because it is just so hard, but it is so necessary. And just learning how to love yourself and how to accept certain things about yourself. When I started to think like having a mental illness was going to taint my character, That was something that made me further depressed. But when my therapist helped me to flip that and see that it is something that is not indicative of who you are, but it's just something that you have. And it is some, it's just an indicator that your brain is just working in a different way. It's not anything that is just something wrong with you. It's just that there's just a way that your brain works and you process things differently now. Mm-hmm. So learning how to accept that is really the first step to moving forward. Because yeah. if you can, and this is, I'm speaking from a place of denial where <laughs> I used to just be in such deep denial where I couldn't even say bipolar, but learning to accept that has given me the freedom 
to help other people and to actually use my story for the benefit of others. So self-acceptance is very important. Mm -hmm. And lastly, being consistent. So being consistent is a huge one and it's something that I'm still trying to master as well. And it's something that can help you just get into a routine because what helps with bipolar disorder is having a set routine. And so being in a routine can help you to, even if it's just doing one thing consistently, like every day you go for a walk or every day you write down three things that you're thankful for. Having those patterns can actually help you cultivate good habits that Mm -hmm. will help you with your mental health. Yeah. So being consistent is very important. That's awesome. I love that. And it's, it's true because I don't know about you, but I like, I need some consistency and routine, but I also don't want to be held in like boxed in to too much. So it's finding, finding this balance. And I know I should have sleep, but then I'm like, I don't want to sleep. So it's, it's just those little things, those little things that add up. Wow. So much goodness here, ladies, so much goodness. So before um, we close, I would love to hear, um, and Sarah, I'll have you go first. Um, I would love to hear one, what is the most beautiful or helpful someone has said or done for you? And two, this is a two-parter, and two, what would you say to someone that's struggling and listening right now? Okay, so for the first question, I remember having dinner, and this was recently, I had dinner with a friend from college, and she actually volunteered to make the dinner, and I was just like, girl, what? (laughs) But she decided to make the dinner, and we were just talking, and one of the nicest things that she did during that time was ask me, how are you doing with your mental health? And honestly, I just broke down because it was a very hard time for me at that moment. And that week was just really rough. And she didn't say another word. She just came over to me, gave me a hug and Mm -hmm. said, let it out. And that was the nicest thing that anyone has ever done for me. Just sitting there and listening, not offering any type of advice or like scriptural references to make me feel a little guilty like (laughs) just just sitting there and being with me in the moment was the nicest thing that she could have done for me and for the second part of the question I just want everybody to know that you are worth it Mm. your story is valuable and you have a purpose in this life. Mental illness is not the end. It will never be the end. It is just another part of your story. And it is a crucial aspect of your journey because you can help somebody else. So don't see it as, oh, I'm defective, but see it as I am determined and I am destined for greatness. So beautiful. So beautiful. I feel so encouraged. Paris, I'm excited to hear your answers. Um, Yeah, so I'll repeat it because I know I need repetition. So what was the nicest, kindest thing someone said or done for you? And what would you say to someone that's struggling right now? 
Yeah. So the kindest thing that someone has done for me is actually a friend of mine at my, when I had the book launch party for Crooked Illness, I came to the party, but I did not expect this. Um, one of my other friends put, did a speech and then he actually came up and said, I want to say something. And he said, if it wasn't for me and the podcast and being vulnerable and sharing my story, he would have never gotten help for his diagnosis of bipolar. And he said, I was diagnosed. And if you didn't do that, then I would have never. So I would have just kept living the way that I was living because of you. And I was like, very like caught off guard and like, so thankful because that just kind of ties into the second answer, which is the reason, you know, that everything happens for you. And that's what I, I remember I would hear this and I'm like, what? Like, even like traumatic things that you're like, why would someone say that or put that out there? But the way that I try to look at things is even the darkest obstacles and challenges you face, you can take that and turn around and use that to help somebody else and, and, and use that as fuel to help you continue to move forward, to know that you are here, like Sarah said, for a reason Mm. and going to really use that to impact someone else's life. So because you've had this experience, and are able to be vulnerable and share it, you're going to connect with someone who might know someone connects with someone. And it just, it's a ripple effect. And like Sarah was saying, vulnerability breeds vulnerability. So when you can do that, then, you know, just like how we all are doing here, right. When Sarah was talking about, because, you know, she kind of was looking at podcasts, she launched rough edges and that's, it's a ripple effect of when we start to do these things, other people say, okay, well, I guess I can have, start this hard conversation now or get into these topics now because other people are doing it and it's encouraging. So you, what you're going through right now is you're going to be able to take that and help really, really help somebody else, but know that it's okay to feel the way that you're feeling. All your feelings are valid. It's not just because you're sad or upset. You don't have to be hard on yourself and and beat yourself up for, for experiencing that. So that's the message. And I have absolutely loved being here with you guys and chatting. It's been so awesome. I always love these conversations. Mm. Um, I always learn something new, which is why I have my notebook and you always see me writing things down. So <laughs> love, it. love it. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. That reminds me of a uh, Brene Brown quote that says, you know, your story can sometimes be someone's lifeline. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I just want to thank the both of you for vulnerably sharing your stories and continuing to show up and friends go and follow them all over the place we'll put everything in the show notes and just listen to their podcasts and connect I know we all answer our messages sometimes I take a little bit longer but we will and um yeah we just hope that this you know gave you some hope or inspiration or just help you felt less alone and understood this is bipolar Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode. You can find previous as well as future episodes on YouTube for the video version. You can find the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Podbean. And we spend most of our time where you can join our community and interact on Instagram at this.his.bipolar. It is so helpful if you enjoy our work 
or think it would be helpful to someone if you could like and share and save and follow us in all or any of those spaces. Another thing that's really, really helpful if you're a listener for the podcast, if you could leave a review, we would be forever grateful. Again, thank you for being here with us. Let's get the word out. Let's share lived experiences so that we can change the ideas that people have about bipolar and help those of us that live with it feel less alone. See you next time. Thank you.